You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Speaking of the NAC system, before we get to keep law for just a second, I wanted to congratulate Kate Cavalli, who I talked to this weekend. He's going to the Futures game. Very cool. Pitching in L.A. Second straight year he'll be in the Futures game. And Darren Baker. This is Dusty Sun, A-plus level. I don't think he's a high-end prospect or a guy that's going to be a, a big leaguer for an extended period of time, certainly not a starter for the Nationals, but he is a gym rat type. You know, you want him in every clubhouse. He's a guy that makes whatever level he's at better, and he's Dusty's kid, so he's got to be awesome. I remember watching him get saved by a J.T. Snow in a World Series game. Uh, is it J.T. Snow? Did I say that? Yeah, I think that's who it was. Was it, was it Jeff Kent, J.T. No, Snow? Who did J- it? Is J.T. Snow the right name? That sounds like I'm making up a name. No, that's it. Okay, then it was him. Isn't J.T. It? Snow saved him. Now I'm play. doubting myself. That's J.T. Snow. For some reason, I'm thinking of the wrestler Al Snow somehow is involved it's in definitely this. not Al Snow with the mannequin head. Okay, but uh, anyway, Darren Baker's going to the Futures game as well. I was a little surprised by that. I wanted the rep on the hitting side to be Jeremy De La Rosa, who's having a, a hell of a year for the Nats at Fredericksburg. But uh, regardless, congrats to those two guys. That's awesome. And Dusty will be managing the American League on Tuesday in the All-Star game, and Darren will be playing for the American League on Saturday in the Futures game. Yeah, it's neat. That, that's one of those really cool things. And, I, and I'm, listen, I'm, I'm not stupid. I know that's why they did it. Uh, just, you know, a nice way to celebrate kind of the longevity and, and the legacy. Because that's really what this year is about in, in terms of the top of the draft board. We'll talk to Keith Law in a minute about this. But it's like, sons of former big leaguers, welcome to the top of the draft board. Sons of, you know, b- former big leaguer and major league legend Dusty Baker. Now Darren Baker, they're going to the Futures game. Very cool. All right, speaking of Keith Law, let's get to it. This was our conversation with the athletics expert on the draft and on prospects. Wanted to talk to him about one of the biggest weekends of the calendar year for the Nationals. They got a lot to do, and they got to get it right coming up this weekend. This was our convo with Keith. When it comes to the draft, two prospects, one of the guys whose opinion I care about the most is Keith Law. Forever he was at ESPN, and you've seen him all over draft coverage, and now he does an incredible job with The Athletic, and you should be reading his content as we get closer to two of the big prospects days of the year with the amateur side, the draft, and on the professional side, the Futures game this weekend. Keith, Grant, and Danny here in D.C. for Bustin' Loose Baseball. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing Great, really buddy. well. All right, let's just start with the top of the draft board. So the Nats pick at five. Give our Nats fan listeners a little idea of what we should be paying attention to with the teams on the clock ahead of them. So a pretty good chance that three of the four, maybe all four picks ahead of them, are high school guys. Andrew Jones's kid, certainly going ahead of them. Matt Holiday's kid, extremely likely to go ahead of them. Um, pretty good chance that Termar Johnson, who folks say it's the best 
pure high school hitter, just hitter for contact and average that people have seen in 10 plus years. Not 100%, but a good chance that they he goes ahead of them. There is There are not a lot of scenarios where I see one of the high school guys whom the Nats would consider potentially getting to them. Like I think if Drew Jones got there, if Jackson Holiday got there, I think they would jump out of their shoes to take one of those guys. But all the assumptions, and I, I'm speaking for myself, but also for you know the other folks I respect who do this sort of stuff, we all seem to think the Nats are going to go a different direction because the few high school guys they'd consider are gone, and there is no pitcher who's healthy who they would be likely to take at five. So does that mean higher floor college bat there, Keith? Or, and walk me through who that might be. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm hearing. The name that they've been linked to all spring pretty consistently, and the Nats generally do not hide their interest in players. Some teams do, like Baltimore. They pick first, and they're pretty cagey. Um, is Kevin Prada, the catcher at uh, Georgia Tech, who is an offense-first catcher. He can really hit. He's got power. He's got a good idea of the strike zone. He's adequate behind the plate. I don't know if he really switches positions. I think he can stay there, but it would be just a, hey, this is one of the best players available. And I do think there's a pretty good argument he's the best college position player in the class. It's him or Brooks Lee, who's shortstop at Cal Poly, who's uh, not going to stay at shortstop, but can also really hit. And when I've asked around on that, what I keep hearing is the Nats would take Parada even over Lee if Lee got there, and Lee may go ahead of them. And if they didn't do that, then they'd be moving probably further down the college list of other, again, kind of low ceiling, high floor players just to try to get some value into the system, which I can understand. They really went for it last year, taking Brady House and unfortunately Dalen Lyle is hurt. But House was a big swing for the fences, pun slightly intended there. And so far, so good. When House has been healthy, he's looked really good in low act. So I look at their current situation, right? And and I never draft based on what's at the big league level, right? And I think people mm-hmm. need to know that because there's a lot of people listening that are used to the NFL draft or other sports, and they're going, well, the one position offensively maybe where they're in pretty good shape is catcher with K. Barrett Ruiz. They have mm-hmm. needs almost everywhere else. What would be your thought to, you know, with Parada kind of being a, a quick mover because of the bat, like whether or not that should factor into the conversation at all or maybe break a tie with a Brooks Lee type and kind of go into to that part of this process because it is quite literally he and Josiah Gray come over from the Dodgers like they might have something with Luis Garcia at second base he can't really play short but he sh- certainly can rake they don't have many spots where they got future options you know Juan Soto's locked in Kbert's locked in what are your thoughts on that I tend to agree with you you just take the best player available and you figure it out especially with catchers I like Hebert Ruiz. I had him as a top 50 or so prospect at the time of the trade. I think he's probably their catcher for the long term, but catchers get hurt a lot, and catchers often don't develop as expected because the wear and tear, a general wear and tear of the position is so much. I mean, it's probably the hardest position we ask anyone to play on either side of the ball right now because being a catcher is itself kind of a full-time job in addition to being a major league hitter, which is also a full-time job. So I am – more inclined to say, no, you can have taking an extra catcher is fine because also you can get to the point where you can trade that guy. Would you want to pass on a guy? If you think Parada is clearly the best player on the board at your pick, would you want to pass on that guy to take a player who is just less valuable simply because you think he fits better? Whereas, you know, it's 
six months you could put Parada in a trade and maybe go get somebody. And you know Mike Rizzo would do something like that, would say, hey, we'll get a bunch of these guys, go out, boom, make a big trade this offseason. Hey, suddenly we're relevant again. I don't think Mike Rizzo is sitting around waiting for a five-year rebuild here. I think he's going to just get enough talent into the system so that he can go out and try to build another contender as quickly as possible. That is certainly his uh, entire history as a GM, and I think that he would do that. And getting Parada into the system would advance them in that direction. If there was, look, Drew Jones isn't getting there. I don't think Jackson Holly is getting there. But in some bizarro universe, yeah, they'll do that. Because that would be, let's just take the best player available. Yeah, Jackson Holiday's probably four years in the big leagues. But if he's the best player on the board, they would still take him. I think the problem where the Nats pick is the high school guys they absolutely agree on are going to be gone. And I, like, I don't think they're on Termar Johnson. That's very much not a Mike Rizzo type of player, too. Termar Johnson's 5'8 in heels. So, you know, Mike, they don't <laughs> take guys who look like that. I love Jamar Johnson. I'm pretty short, too, so that's okay. But they don't take guys like that. And I, for whatever reason, a lot of people thought they would be big on Elijah Green, a very athletic, very physical dad's a former NFL that player. That was actually the guy that I kind of lined up for them months ago, but it hasn't really materialized yeah. that way. It, they're not on it. And I'm, I'm not arguing with them. I think a lot of us thought, hey, that's their type, but – Maybe it's just because picking five, they figure there's more probability with some of these other guys. And I like Elijah Green. I think Elijah Green has gone from being overrated as an underclassman because he was just so big to kind of underrated. People are concerned, well, there's some swing and miss in the zone. Yeah, there is. But playing at IMG, you also face much better pitching than at just about any other high school in the country. And it's not like he is Joey Gallo swing and miss in the zone. I saw Gallo in high school where Green is better than that. And why have we all, it's just like the pendulum has swung way too far in the other direction. But if you're the Nats picking five, you may say that is a level of risk we are unwilling to stomach. And I'm not going to argue with that. I, I completely understand saying, no, we, we want to lock something in with a pick that high. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Keith Law with us here on Bustin' Loose Baseball, breaking down prospects. Keith, if there's a surprise in that top five, who would it be? Who? What team might sort of zig when everybody else is zagging? Obviously, shoot the moon here. Well, it's Baltimore, right? Because they don't tell anybody. Baltimore is Mike Elias, Segmental, who's been those two were in Houston. And when they picked first in Houston multiple times, we never really knew for sure where they were taking until five minutes before the pick. That's what's going to happen this year. We are not going to know. And because this is a draft without an absolute no doubt 1-1, we all have Drew Jones at the top of our boards, but I think the consensus in the industry, and my personal opinion, having seen that player, having seen Jones and most of these other players, is that Jones is very good. He is not head and shoulders above the whole rest of the class, and it may make more sense for Baltimore just two extra picks in addition to the first pick of every round to say, we're going to cut a deal with some other player, save some money, and then go get additional first round talents with some of our subsequent picks. I might pursue that too. If Drew Jones wants full slot um, and he's advised by Scott Boris, which Boris doesn't generally cut deals. That's not his strategy as an agent. Baltimore could do that. They could absolutely do that. And nobody really knows for sure who the other names are. We just have guesses. I had a mock that went up this morning and 
I have my educated guesses as to who's in their mix, but we don't really know for sure. So they could do something like take Cam Collier, the Juco player who's 17 and played extremely well. His dad was Lou Collier, played in the big leagues. If they did something like that, I almost guarantee you they would save plenty of money to go get two more first-round talents with subsequent picks. But boy, does that throw a wrench into everybody's mocks. And if you're Washington, you're probably praying for a scenario like that because it could push someone down to you you didn't think had any chance to get to your pick. There's some poor kid at the top of the first-round mix whose dad's a teacher who's, like, looking around going, wait, 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 am I supposed to be here? Is there a rule at the top of the first round? That's pretty crazy. Keith Law, The Athletic, check out the latest mock. So I've got two guys I want to ask you about. It may or may not pertain to the Nationals. And that would be Jackson Holiday. And Jacob mm-hmm. Berry. So on, on how I'm going to give you quick takes, and I basically want to just see it blow me out of the water if I'm wrong. I actually like Holiday second best in this class to Jones because I actually mm-hmm. think he. Everyone talks about Tamar Johnson, who I love, but he's going to be at second, and I think Holiday can hit like bat to ball every bit as well as Tamar Johnson. I know that the swing isn't quite as sexy, but I want to get your thought on that. And then the other question is Barry, who I've just been fascinated by all season. Now, I heard from someone this week his exit velocity numbers are not what you would want, and maybe that's worrying some analytically driven teams. But, like, I thought he'd be a lock in that top five or six mix. Now you're seeing him in some places out of the top ten. Just give me thoughts on those two guys. Uh, well, let me start with Barry. Um, he can hit some. He has no position. Like, I look at him, and I think this is Seth Beer all over again. Beer went at the end of the first round and shouldn't have. In hindsight, he really hasn't been good enough to justify that. And I just, I have a real antipathy towards guys with no position in the first round. You want to take that guy later? Absolutely. Right? Once you get out of the first round, the opportunity cost of a pick is much lower. But Barry, I have people in the LSU coaching staff, not said to me personally, but to people I know, we can't play this guy anywhere defensively. So are you, and, are you saying basically like legit DH? That's what I think. I think wow. long term, right? You take Barry, you put him in pro ball, and you try him, right? You absolutely try and players get better on defense in pro ball. But if you're asking me, hey, here, put $100 on a future position for this guy, I'm putting it on DH. And that wow. would scare me, especially picking that high. Yeah. I do think Barry has a, may very well go in the top 10. They got him going 10th to Colorado. But you got to play a position. If, and, and I got to feel pretty confident you're going to play somewhere in absent value. Termar Johnson, Brooks Lee, they're not shortstops long-term. They're going to play on the dirt, right? We know they're going to play somewhere in the infield. Lee's got the hands for it. Johnson's too good an athlete, I think, for him to not play second base. Or at worst, he could probably play center field and still produce value. I'm kind of with you on Holiday, and I think the one thing that's holding Holiday back just a little bit is that he didn't come into the year like that. He changed. But, I mean, these high school kids, they do that. He changed his swing a little bit, changed his body a bit. There's a much better chance he stays at shortstop. He's hitting the ball a lot harder. I think his swing is great. I think Termar had had more, like a longer ramp into this, right? We saw him, everybody saw him last year. God, that's an amazing swing. This guy hits everything. If you think Termar's got the best pure hit tool in the high school group, group and I'm not going to argue with that, Holiday might be second, and that's pretty good. And that's for a guy who stays at shortstop and is pretty athletic and is more physical. It doesn't hurt that his dad played for a very long time in the big leagues. Heck, Jackson's got a younger brother coming along in three years, Ethan, who might be even better. He's like Jackson, but already more physical than Jackson was at the same age. So I have no objection to somebody saying, hey, Jackson Holiday should go first on a deal. And I think if Drew Jones goes first, there's a really good chance Holiday goes second to Arizona. I think Arizona's just basically sitting there with arms wide open 
whichever one of these guys you don't want, Jones or Holiday, we'll just scoop the other one up and be very, very happy. Keith, I know you've had a chance to see the Wilmington squad. Give us a kind of a primer of what you've seen and maybe somebody that's uh, off the radar that probably should be on the radar. It's not great. Um, the best Nationals prospects right now, I think by and large, are in low A. Um, I've seen pretty much everyone Wilmington has to offer, except for Mitchell Parker. I just sort of keep, I was actually in the ballpark one time when he was supposed to pitch and we got rained out. Um, so it is not great. I do. Uh, they've got some interesting arms. Jose Ferrer, left-hander, who's got two pretty good pitches. Um, hasn't been here for very long, but I also don't think he'll be here for very long. I think they should just keep him moving up because straight reliever, but it's pretty big stuff. He's got a chance to be something. Um, Meta Hildo, I'm blanking on his first name. I want to say Oscar, but I think that's actually not right. He, um, he doesn't belong here because he's too old for the level, but I think he can really hit. Um, He's a little thick-bodied. I don't think he's going to stay at third base. But there's some feel to hit. There's some power. Second time through the level, really want to see him prove it as he moves up to double-A, especially since, like I said, he was repeating. But he is probably the best guy in the lineup right now. It is not great. Most of the pitching has already moved up. Last year, we had a really good rotation to start the year in Wilmington. Those guys have all since moved up or unfortunately gotten hurt. And the Brady House, like I mentioned, he's at Fredericksburg, really hoping he gets here before we get to the end of the year because I think uh, he would immediately be the most interesting. He'd be the best prospect, also the most interesting player in the lineup. But for right now, Wilmington, unfortunately, it's a lot of guys like Yasselin Tuna and Darren Baker who are just going to be good players in the organization for a while but are never going to impact the major league team. Yeah, there's a lot of that, and they got a lot of work to do, and it can start again with the draft this coming weekend. Great insight, great info from Keith Law. Keith, we really appreciate it. Thanks so much for hopping on. Yep, my pleasure. That was Keith Law. Thanks to him and Eric Longenhagen for joining us on this episode of Boston Loose Baseball. That was a lot of info. Take your medicine there, Nats fans. A little bit of sugar coating, but yes, we got it. That's a lot of information. I now feel way more up to date and kind of relevant on A, the Nats system, B, draft picks at the top of the draft, or draft prospects rather, at the top of the draft board. The wild card, it's funny to say, but it is Baltimore. Right, I mean, they're a team that doesn't do it the way everyone else does, and there's probably really good reason for that, and that's why this group, all of a sudden, the Major League Club has kind of hit its stride, winning a whole bunch of games in a row. They got a good system as well with some high end stuff. It's it certainly worked for them, but it's going to be really interesting to see what the Nats do at five. I think they break tight, and the Orioles do the thing everyone thinks they're going to do, and they just take Drew Jones at one one, and the draft starts at pick number two with the Diamondbacks one selection later. My dream, and we could talk more about this later in the week, is that Jackson Holiday falls to the Nats. Matt Holiday's kid, I think he stays at shortstop. I think he could end up being the best hitter in this class. I would be giddy about that. You would then have uh, House at third with Jackson Holiday at short. Luis Garcia maybe at second. You can find yourself a first baseman with Soto anchor in your outfield. That ain't bad. You got the beginning of something being built here potentially, but probably unlikely. We'll see what they end up uh, having the option to do at number five. More on the draft, more on the futures game coming up later this week, and we'll get into some big league conversations about the Mariners and Julio Rodriguez, the Julio show in town as well. Thanks for listening to Bustin' Loose Baseball. We are back on Thursday night. Until then, enjoy Nats baseball.